Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Joshua Baker. Yeah, and also Jeff. And Jeff. His name's Jeff. I did it. (laughs) All right, that's it. See you, everybody. We did it! Yeah, see see you next time. We are back, everybody, with uh, more of this stuff. We're back for part four of Preacher, which, God, fuck, it's so good. I feel like this buffalo shit is worth a lot more than a nickel. True, true. I'll give you that. Yeah, you need to edit that voice to be a high dollar price for that. <laughs> At least a dime. A, a new bumper. Let's with like call a Adam Arkin and just have him re-record that for us. I got you, fam. <laughs> Y'all go ahead and start reading. Got him on so, speed um, <laughs> You know what? Let's, let's just fucking get going, guys. Hop hey? right in. Previously on Table Reads. Jesse Custer is a Texas preacher with a fucked up childhood, a mystical entity residing in him, and a literally unstoppable force of murder on his trail. With his best girl Tulip at his side, he is apprehended by the people that made his childhood so fucked up. Meanwhile, the Irish vampire Cassidy and his trusty sidekick Arseface visit a gathering of killers to use some mysticism shit to find Tulip and Jesse. They locate him, but not before Tulip's brains get splattered all over a barn. Fade in. Exterior dock slash swamp. Dawn. Water bugs skate along the water. That's the whole scene. Exterior, underwater, <laughs> dawn. The coffin holding Jesse Custer rests 10 feet below the surface, cinder blocks chained to the handles. Two air hoses snake up to the surface. Interior, a dark place, dawn. Jesse's eyes are closed. All around him, we hear the muffled thunks and scrapes of things floating past his watery coffin. Flash cuts. Tulip struggling against Jody. The gunshot ripping through Tulip's head. Tulip's lifeless face at Jesse's feet. Guys, this is written as if it knows we're doing it episodically. Like it's recapping shit that happened <laughs> for people that haven't listened since last week. Right, it, it kind of stole your gig though. Like, you could have just started. Yeah, it's like, and it's like last week. Previously, on. flash cuts. Exterior underwater. <laughs> Jesse scrunches his eyes, trying to shut the images out. As he opens his eyes, he finds himself sitting on a couch, the same spot his father did last time we were here. He has the lighter in his hand, which he unconsciously flicks open and shut. Young Jesse sits on the floor in front of him, but instead of staring at a TV western, he's staring back at Jesse. It's unsettling. What are you looking at? Young Jesse doesn't respond. Seen a boy like that once? 
hold on, hold on. Yeah. <clears throat> well, why don't you just saddle on up, partner? All right, that was just that was my faith in Bagora for John. Faith in Bagora. <laughs> Seen a boy like that once. Reveal the cowboy, one foot up on the arm of the couch. Rescued him from a tribe of Apaches. Never spoke a word again. He's me. That's me. You sure about that? Indeed, as Jesse watches, the boy transforms into the swirling sphere of light. Genesis. Looking to you like you're its paw. It can fuck off. I didn't ask for this. Tulip would still be alive if it hadn't if it hadn't come. A little more Texas. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've gone <laughs> It could fuck off. It can fuck off. Uh, it can fuck off. Texas. It can fuck off. Off. Or off if you hadn't off. come back here, could have laid low. I need answers. Bullshit. You got that voice. You got power. Saw a chance to put things right. Fine. I wanted justice. I deserve it. Call it what it is. Revenge. Suddenly, the lighter burns Jesse's hand. He curses, staring at it. An idea. Interior, coffin, day. Jesse turns over onto his side. After much struggle, his fingers dip in his jeans pocket, very carefully extracting his father's silver lighter. Given the angle, he can't really see what he's doing. It's all by feel as he opens it. Ching, and strikes the flint. The flame curls along the steel. He maneuvers the flame to the rope at his wrist. He's burning skin and hair in the process. He can't let that stop him. The dry hemp rope finally catches fire. He screams, biting down into the gag. Smoke rises to the top of the coffin, sucked out of one of the hoses. We follow the smoke up through the hose to the surface. Exterior, dock slash swamp, day. The return hose is tied to the edge of the dock. Nearby, the pump keeps chugging, sending fresh air through the other hose. TC walks up with a gas can and funnel. Time to refuel. He sniffs the air, smells something, sees smoke curling out of the return hose. Not good. Does anybody remember who TC was? I, I do. I just remember about like the voice. really high voice guy? Yeah. Or yeah. Was he? High... I thought he was the that gruff guy. guy. Who was the no, gruff? That's Jody. 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 Yeah, Jody's the scary redneck. Okay. Yeah. They're okay. both scary in their own way. Oh, well, yeah, but. <laughs> Interior, coffin, day. With all his strength, Jesse tries to break through the burning ropes. He coughs in the smoking air. With one last grunt, he finally succeeds. The moment he has a hand free, he starts working on his gag. Exterior dock slash swamp, day. TC peers into the smoky hose. Jesse? Interior, coffin, day. Jesse tears the gag out with his booming voice. Let me out. Without a sec- Exterior dock slash swamp, day. Without a second thought, TC dives headfirst into the water. Exterior, underwater, day. TC follows the hoses down to the coffin, pulls the pins on the latches, flipping them open. 
intercut coughing. Water rushes in so fast that Jesse may drown before he gets out. His arms are still partially bound. Jesse takes one last desperate breath and struggles to get out of the box, a backwoods Houdini. He finally finds enough slack in the chain to get through. He kicks his way to the surface. I just want to say, uh, I think right now, there is an exhibit at the uh, Jewish Museum here in Atlanta. The Moskowitz Center, I think it's called. The one right next to the Atlanta Puppetry Museum. Okay. Um, they've got a, a Houdini exhibit. Really? Yeah. Apparently, Houdini, Jew. Ah. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me they had like a preacher exhibit or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how odd. <laughs> That would be real odd. So, like, we're stretching out, guys. We're, we're, we're competing with puppets next door. Just get whatever. <laughs> There's some cool shit over there, man. You can eat shit. <laughs> I love the Puppetry Museum. Yeah, it's awesome. The Center for Puppetry Arts. They got a they got a fucking Skeksy. Yeah. A full-size Skeksy. You can eat a bag of shit. <laughs> Elaborate. From the Dark, Dark Crystal? Dark Crystal, man. Nope, missed it. Look at his face. Yeah, no. Wh which one? Was it one of the dinosaur people? Six <laughs> bags of shit. Eat six bags of That's shit. That's what a Skeksy is? <laughs> <laughs> he kicks his way to the surface. Exterior, dock slash swamp, day. Gasping for breath. TC surfaces a beat later, also half drowned. Cut the ropes. TC clings to the dock, using his bowie knife to cut through the remainder of Jesse's bonds. Jesse pulls himself up onto the dock. His wrists are burned and raw, but he's otherwise intact. He stares at the farmhouse in the distance. One, uh, one note of direction. Uh, when Jesse's using the voice, he, I feel like, should always be kind of pissed. Okay. Because he doesn't like using the voice. Like, in the comics, there are scenes where he'll kick the shit out of eight guys, and then someone will be like, why didn't you use the voice? And he'll be like, shit, I plum forgot. <laughs> I'm oh, done forgot. Okay, it. so the voice is like a power. I thought, like, I was reading Boom and Voice like he was just, like, pissed. Oh, he was no, no, that's, like, that's, like, oh, damn it. No, that's Genesis. Oh, that's shit. I'm with it now. Gotcha. All right. <clears throat> But first, he has to decide what to do with TC. With a devilish grin. Now, count every tree in Texas. With the look of a wounded deer, TC turns his eyes to the nearest tree. One, two, three. Exterior, farmhouse, day. Soaked and exhausted, Jesse reaches the farmhouse. A screen door creaks open. Jody. With his voice booming. Die! Jody steps off the porch, approaching. Stop! Freeze! Only when Jody gets quite close does Jesse see why the voice isn't working. Blood trickles out of both of Jody's ears. Flash cut. Interior farmhouse kitchen. Day. Minutes ago. Looking out the window, Jody sees Jesse climbing up onto the dock, sees TC counting trees. 
Jody pulls open a drawer, grabbing a corkscrew. He stands in front of a dirty hallway mirror. With the determination of the truly deranged, he twists the corkscrew into each ear. Back to exterior, farmhouse, day. Jesse puts up his fists. He'll fight to the death. Jody lands three good blows unanswered. Beat your daddy too. Jesse charges with some success. But then Jody gets the advantage once again, throwing Jesse back against the truck. When Jesse's eyes open, they're glowing red. He catches Jody's next punch in one hand, then lands a blow of his own. It's a just barely supernatural strength that lets him throw Jody towards the barn. From a new angle, we catch a glimpse of Jesse's shadow on the ground. In silhouette, he has wings. And horns. Interior, barn, day. Jesse throws Jody through a wall, bringing down a section of the barn. As he steps in to follow, Jesse seems to float for a moment, held aloft by non-existent wings. Exterior, farmhouse, day. Marie wheels herself out to the porch, rifle in hand. A sudden wind. As the dust rises in the farmyard, she adjusts the oxygen tube beneath her nose. The dust settles, revealing the saint of killers. She's never seen him before, but is smart enough to know he's trouble. She raises the rifle and fires. The bullet bounces off the saint, who is neither amused nor annoyed. He ignores her. Interior, exterior, barn, day. Jesse and Jody continue to trade blows. Jesse is not just stronger than usual, but tougher. He's able to shrug off hits that should knock him down. With a satisfied grin, Jesse lands one final punch. It lifts Jody off his feet, crashing back into the wall, and he stays there. He tries to move, but can't. His feet aren't touching the ground. He's become impaled on a piece of the barn itself, the splintered timber poking all the way through his chest. Blood spurts with each heartbeat, until the heartbeats stop. Jesse falls to his knees, spent, but smiling. The saint of killer walks up, guns holstered. He doesn't seem interested in killing Jesse, at least not yet. Who was he to you? Jesse's never seen the Saint of Killers before. Is he just an illusion, like the cowboy? In the rush of adrenaline, Jesse doesn't much care. Fucker ruined my life. Killed my dad. Killed my girl. You do it alone? No. The Saint of Killers moves, revealing Marie on the farmhouse porch. She's trying to reload the rifle, but the box of bullets has slipped to the ground. She can't quite reach it from the wheelchair. Everything he did, he did it for her. Don't listen to him, Jesse. Mr. DeBlanc warned that someone might come. And what? Save me? Corrupt you. Turn you to darkness. You're weak, Jesse. Always have been. His voice booming. Shut up! Just like that, Marie can't say a word. 
and in the silence, it starts to click for Jesse. De Blanc, that man, he was real. Flash cut two. Exterior, roadside revival, dusk, flashback. Young Jesse looks up at DeBlanc. The word is a heavy burden. It can crush you. It can consume you if you're not strong enough. Strong enough for what? A glorious day is coming, Mr. Custard, for you have been chosen by heaven. You will be our champion. Until then, your grandmother will make you ready. Young Jesse looks over at Marie, who is watching the two of them carefully. Back to exterior, farm, day. Angle on Jesse. My whole life, everything you done to me, it was a plan, wasn't it? Toughen me up so I could survive this thing you put in me. You ruined me. You killed everything I loved. There ain't a hell deep enough for you. The Saint of Killer takes one of his revolvers out of its holster, places it in Jesse's hand. Finish it. Close on Jesse, feeling the weight of the gun. It's solid. It's real. Close on the cylinder. The chambers are empty. Not loaded. Is if you want it to be. Marie stares down Jesse, silently daring him. Jesse fires. The bullet glows red as it spins out of the barrel. It catches Marie's oxygen tank, which explodes in a fireball. The blast launches Marie skyward, shrieking as the flames engulf her. <laughs> she finally crashes back down to the ground, a crumpled, burning body. The farmhouse catches fire, flames spreading from the porch roof to the main building. Jesse is happy to watch it burn. How'd that feel? Good. Things this woman done, who let her? What do you mean? Someone told her to. Someone put you here on this farm, in this swamp, in this world of shit to suffer. God. God, heaven, the angels, they all gotta pay. If I could climb up to heaven, I'd kill every one of them. But I can't. You can, though. That thing inside you is part of their world. Can't walk right through the gates. You can get justice. Realizing. You want me to kill God? You're either with me or you're against me, preacher. You got a choice. Move to reveal the cowboy behind him. The white-headed gunslinger says nothing. But Jesse feels him there, looks back. He's right. You got a choice. Hell of a thing. A long beat. Jesse looks back to the saint. He's made up his mind. I'm done doing people's shit work. Get the fuck out of here! The saint is knocked back, a dust cloud swirling around him. He can't really fight it, so instead... He just locks eyes with Jesse as the cloud dissipates. Both the saint and the cowboy are gone. Jesse stands blood-stained and filthy in the ruins of the burning farm. He looks down at his hand. He's still holding one of the saint's revolvers. Transition two, the farmhouse roof collapses, sending off fiery embers. 
interior-exterior barn, day. We come upon Jesse, kneeling next to Tulip's body. It's lying where Jody tossed it, face down in the dirt. Stealing himself, Jesse turns the body over. Tulip is dead in a way you never see movie heroines. Dirt clings to her waxy face, her lifeless eyes half open. Dried blood stiffens the fabric of her shirt from where it pooled. Jesse sits back, overwhelmed, brushing off exhausted tears. He spots young Jesse, actually Genesis, watching him. Young Jesse approaches, squats down next to Tulip's body, curious. Don't you fucking touch her. He obeys. Suddenly, young Jesse reaches his hand up to the sky, as if holding a book. The word of God is the only salvation. The word of God is the bridge over hellfire. The word of God is the trumpet at Jericho, and all will fall before it. Jesse recognizes his old sermon. Young Jesse leans to his ear, close as he whispers, The word is life. As we go wider, the boy is gone, but Jesse understands what he was implying. He gets on his knee, and though he doesn't dare hope it could work, he speaks directly to Tulip's dead body. Come back. Come back. Live. Live! There's no change in Tulip, but Jesse feels a light glowing through his shirt. It suddenly flares brighter, an agonizing heat. Wing-like fields of energy erupt from his shoulder blades. His fingertips smoke. His eyes glow. He's half transformed into another being, neither angel nor devil, but with aspects of both. Glorious and monstrous simultaneously. He leans over Tulip. His lips part to speak. But what comes out is not a word, but rather a note. Impossibly deep, the note feels like it's summoned from within mountains and under oceans. The ground rumbles. The timbers of the barn creak. Nearby trees shimmer, each leaf standing at attention, quivering. Tulip's body suddenly jolts, as if hit by shock paddles. Her hands curl. The skin of her face suddenly flushes, moistens. Her eyelids snap shut. Her wet teeth brush her lips. She sits bolt upright, kissing Jesse. Her hands touch his shoulder, slide into his shirt. As they kiss, she draws the energy off him. The glow arcs across her skin. We can hear her heartbeat. The rush of blood. Their lips part. Her eyes open with tears. Jesse wobbles back, spent, dazed, fully human again. Tell me this is real. I think it's real. He holds her face in his dirty hands, looking into her eyes. I, I feel like me. I don't feel like a dead person. That's good. Really good. They kiss again, framed in the ruins of the barn the farmhouse still burning behind them. Transition to exterior farm slash tulips pickup, day. They climb in. Jesse teeters a bit, woozy. Battery's low. Uh, I'll be all right. <laughs> what? 
Uh, you just went a little Mr. Ed on that. I'll be all right. <laughs> I'll be all I'll right. Be all right. Low, Batteries low, Tulip. I gave it and I'll take it if you don't shut up. <laughs> I'm going to kill you again. Duh. Die. <laughs> like a light switch. <laughs> Click. It's a little Mormon trick. <laughs> he starts up the truck, watches the burning farm in the rearview mirror. Happy to put it all behind him. Interior, exterior, truck slash county road, day. Two lanes of asphalt, heading west. I'm thinking Mexico. Maybe not right away, but ultimately that's where we want to be. I'm in, but I'm going to need new clothes. I can't start a new life covered in old blood. Let's get you a shirt. Jesse makes a left, bringing them to exterior, main street, day. The pickup leads us into the heart of a prototypical small Texas town. Two blocks of stores facing the street with a healthy number of flags, both American and Texan. Title over, For Salvation. Let's know. No, this, it's just, it's like the calm after the storm down Main Street. Brown, brown. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> the pickup parks in front of Flo's Fashions and Western Wear. If you need shirts with metal collar tips, this is your place. A few dozen town folk wander about, running errands or socializing with neighbors. Jessie climbs out, walking around a tulip side of the truck. She zips up a jacket to, the co to cover the blood on her shirt. Making sure no one's watching, she tucks a 9mm into her waistband hands him the Saint of Killer's gun. It's still Texas. He reluctantly takes it, tucks it behind his shirt. I'll get us some food. Meet back here in five. Done. A quick kiss and they're off in separate directions. We stay with Jesse as he walks, establishing some geography. Flo's Fashions is at the southern end of the street. As he walks north, Jesse passes a barber shop, a beauty salon, a video store, a check cashing place, and a hardware slash fishing store. He crosses the street, bringing him past the town hall and library, the first bank of salvation, and a small diner. Throughout the walk, we also encounter various plywood wi window shells of failed stores. Jesse heads into Gully's Drug. Interior. Gully's Drug, day. Almost an old-fashioned general store, Gully's has ice cream and sundries in addition to the pharmacy counter. Sundries really threw me off when I saw it because I don't know that I've ever seen that word in print. <laughs> sundries? <laughs> you never go into the store and you're like, oh, where's your sundries? <laughs> Show me your sundries. Is it oh, the sundries. Yes, they're right over by hosiery. <laughs> Does this town have a haberdasher? They're in between the haberdashery and the hosiery. All right, so real quick question before we get started. How, as people who've gotten to know the source material a little better, how taxing is the voice, like, on him? It's not. Well, so he can, like, do well, it. So he can be like, I like this shirt. Half price. <laughs> like, and they're like, oh, shit. Like, take it. Give me my hold shirt. On, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you have the voice that can compel someone to do anything including come back from the dead and your plan is you know i could use a discount you're right 80 <laughs> percent. 
thinking too small. Show me your titties. <laughs> <laughs> 80% and show me and your titties. <laughs> I'm doing the Lord's work. This is why we don't, we're not right. <laughs> I'm stoked he got to keep the gun, the Saint of Killer's gun. I thought that might have been like gone with him, like as a figment character. I thought maybe that disappeared. That's pretty cool. He got to keep that, though. Nah, he's not a figment. Oh, no. Santa Killers is real as fuck, and he'll kill you for doubting him. <laughs> Not if I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't die. Don't die me. <laughs> Don't make me dead. <laughs> just, he goes, talks to the mirror. <laughs> Dude, this power is broken. <laughs> we finally found something to yuck on. <laughs> Get bigger, dick. <laughs> He's like a redneck genie like for himself. A redneck genie. <laughs> Grow oh. oh, I'm all out of cigarettes, bar cigarettes. Yeah, why is he still like a human? Like, why is he still like a regular dude? He's like, he's like, oh, monster. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what? I feel like it's as good a time as any. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. What's up, docs and docettes? Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic here, and if you like old cartoons and watching online reviewers dissect them, then you probably said the same thing I did about two years ago. Hey, what the fuck? Here, watch your language, bud. We're on the air. No, I said, why the heck isn't there a Looney Tunes critic? I mean, nobody's devoted strictly to Looney Tunes Merry Melodies, and whenever people do review that stuff, half the time they get it wrong. And they're all millennials, too, so everything before 1985 is racist. Well, I'm the guy you want anyway. Every Saturday morning, I do a brand new commentary of a Warner Brothers short. All throughout the month, I do video essays examining the history of these cartoons. And every few months, I do a full-length review and or interviews with people who worked on Looney Tunes projects. Catch my videos on YouTube.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse 2, or just use the hashtag Looney Tunes Critic. And now, here's Eric Bauza, the new voice of Bugs Bunny, to bring this commercial home. You've been listening to Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic. Ain't he a stinker? Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to Table Reads. You guys... You still liking the script? Absolutely. Well, I'm kind of wondering where it's going now. I've like been watching. Kinda... I've been watching the show more. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm How not... far in are you? Uh, third season, or, or second season? Maybe second season. New Orleans. We just we just met the uh, the Japanese soul stealing people. Nice. You and... know, I designed the the user manual for the soul sucking. Awesome. Oh, wow. Awesome. Fucking. Dude, it, it's awesome, Jeff. I if you if you pages get the and pages and pages of graphics, like thirty five pages. Wow, shit! Did each one get its own shot? Were they like their whole episode where they're trying to figure it out? No, <laughs> no. But uh, like I did detailed diagrams of the machine with like instructions on how it works, all written out. Cool. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, it was one of my favorite things that I did for that show. It's really Real cool. It's it. really good. All right, guys, you know what? I just, you know, normally we chat for a while here, but I just 
fucking want to get back to the script. Oh no, we're in the end game now. It's so good. Fade in. Interior, Gully's Drug, Day. Almost an old-fashioned general store. Gully's has ice cream and sundries in addition to the pharmacy counter. Jesse takes a basket and starts loading it with protein bars and jerky. He doesn't notice a beer-bellied farmer watching him, a look of nervous recognition. The farmer heads for the door, pulling out his cell phone. I don't know if... I don't know, just something weird about a beer-bellied farmer with a cell phone. Like, it's oh one of them boy! It's one of them flip phones. I'm a Texas guy, blah, blah, farmer, farmer, hold on. Yeah, like pull I got to check in on Foursquare. <laughs> I got to post this on Salvation Discussion page. <laughs> Y'all seen this feller? <laughs> Trying to get upvotes on Reddit. <laughs> he keeps yelling at all the sundries. <laughs> They're going to love this on our Texas. <laughs> Possum jerky. He went after the big breaded. <laughs> Everything's bigger in our Texas. <laughs> the biggest redhead. Interior, flows fashion, day. Tulip takes the first three shirts that might fit, but a sundry, a sundress. Man, I'm hooked on sundries right now. Is a sundress a sundry? No, that's no, a no, thing no, you no. can eat, you right? Eat Is it sundry. a sundry? <laughs> Just a variety of stuff. Okay, Google. <laughs> yeah, what's Define sun sundry. <laughs> sundry sundress. <laughs> but a sundress also catches her eye, so she adds it to the stack, catching the clerk's attention. Can I try these on? Interior fitting room slash flows fashions day. That's hard to say. Flows fashions. Tulip strips off her shirt and bra, stuffing them into the small trash can. She decides on the sundress, slipping out of her boots and jeans. Checking herself in the mirror, Tulip finds herself staring at her face. She pulls back her hair, trying to look for a scar where the bullet went through her head. Nothing. Interior, Gully's Drug, Day. Jesse is paying at the counter. He double takes upon revealing that cashier Lori Bobs only has <laughs> one oversized eye just like his childhood playmate. You're Lori, aren't you? Your brother was Billy Bob. You knew him? Years ago. Would have to be. Jesse pays her. As she makes change, he always liked you. I know you couldn't have done what they say. Jesse nods, takes his bag. As he steps away, we reveal the next customer in line. It's ours face. He needs directions. I'm looking for a phone. Some phone or proof of her. Jesse doesn't hear him, already headed outside. I'm looking for a what? I'm trying to work out Arseface's dialogue he, here. What he actually said. I, I'm looking for a fa, some fa with a preacher la. Uh, some fa? That? See, when you I would read the comics, when I would read the comics, 
they would have his dialogue in his speech bubble, okay. and it would be subtitled. Uh, but I always ignored the subtitle and just tried to make tried out to what make was in out. the speech bubble. I yeah. got pretty good at it. I think I got better at reading it than this guy got at writing it. Because <laughs> I can't make this out. Maybe he legit wants pho. Oh, yeah. He, he Vietnamese I food. really want to get some Vietnamese soup with a preacher. Right, right. Is this too much to ask? <laughs> oh, Come on, even, guys. He's not even I want some pho! <laughs> <laughs> All I've ever wanted is Vietnamese soup <laughs> with a preacher! You know how hard that is living in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> My journey is endless. <laughs> preachers everywhere. No Vietnamese soup. I'd go anywhere else. Vietnamese soup everywhere. No preachers. No preachers. <laughs> Help my brother out. And then he can't speak right, so it's, it's double worse. Like. <laughs> yeah, so to us. It's <laughs> but to the people. <laughs> <out> there, <laughs> then he <laughs> walks into a Korean restaurant and everyone understands him perfectly. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I my gesticulating made my watch think I fell down. I had to make sure it didn't call nine one one. Wait, what? What? Your phone was your your watch was like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. My watch is like, hey, it looks like you've taken a fall. Nah, fuck that. I ain't getting no not watch. It's a fucking nart, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't respond, it will legitimately call nine one one and go. This dude has fallen down. And cannot respond to his watch. I feel like Sean has some medical issues he hasn't discussed with us. If you've turned that on on his watch, right? <laughs> like, he's like, like my watch would be like, "Yo, he's doing heroin again." Like, God, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> your your heart rate's like two hundred beats per second. They're like, "Call the cops!" He's on that he's shit again. Watching Game of Thrones. Or, that that or black heroin. tar lightning. <laughs> our Reddit, our Texas. <laughs> Exterior flows fashion. Day. Through the window, we see Tulip paying. The pot-bellied farmer walks by at a nervous clip, talking on his cell phone. 100%. Seen him with my own eyes. Tulip exits after he passes. She's wearing the sundress with her boots. Her gun is bundled up in her jacket. She's almost at the truck as she hears, Tulip! She looks around, spooked. Can't tell where it's coming from. The beep of a horn. Her eyes land on a battered sheriff's SUV, where Cassidy is waving at her from under a blanket shawl. Checking that no one's watching, she quickly closes the distance. Exterior, Gully's drug, day. Standing at the news rack, Jesse reads the headline in a local paper. Lawmen dead in motel massacre. This is all news to him. He scans the story. Jesse feels eyes on him. A young boy squeezes past him to climb on the kitty horse ride. The boy sits there, half satisfied on his stationary mount. Jesse hands him a quarter. The boy puts it in and the horse starts slowly rocking back and forth. Bear walks past. The burly killer doesn't seem to spot Jesse, but is instead checking the street. A beat later... You Johnny Conroy? Jesse turns to find Ars Face coming out of the drugstore. Jesse can't understand what Ars Face is saying. Sorry, can't help you. He starts walking, trying to get away from him. Interior, Sheriff's SUV, day. Tulip climbs him back. 
Cassidy stretches his blanket over both of them, tent-like. Jesus, I see you tied up and I'm fearing I get here and you'll be dead. I was. I was dead. Dead, dead? Right after you left, they shot me. Right through the head. I died. Fuck. I wanted to save you. She smiles. You're the only other person I know who's died. Something we've got in common. What the fuck is that? The moment is pregnant. <laughs> Awkward. He really wants to kiss her. Suddenly, windows blow out. A spray of glass as bullets rip past. Fuck! During a pause in the barrage, Cassidy risks a look. It's the tattooed twins. They're walking with AK-47s, squeezing off rounds as they approach from behind. Pure instinct, Tulip scrambles into the front seat, finds keys in the ignition. Cassidy rips the shotgun from its lock, pumps it. Tulip revs the engine and floors it, driving up onto the sidewalk. Cassidy fires back with a shotgun, forcing the twins to cover. Dodging terrified pedestrians, Tulip makes it back into the street, gunning it north. She checks her rearview mirror. The twins keep shooting. The back tires blow out. Exterior gullies drug, day. Jesse and Arseface both watch the SUV roar past. Tulip! Kennedy! Further down the sidewalk, Bear turns, spots Arseface. They lock eyes. Arseface emits a panicked grunt, grabbing Jesse as Bear draws his gun. At the last moment, Jesse realizes that Arseface is trying to protect him. They both die for the drugstore door. Bear doesn't waste his shot. Exterior, end of Main Street, day. Two state trooper cruisers move in to block the far end of the street. Interior, Sheriff's SUV, day. Tulip hangs a hard left on rims, turning into exterior gas station, day. Spotting the empty service garage, Tulip aims for it. Exterior, Gully's Drug, day. As Bear heads inside, the little boy continues to ride the mechanical horse. I hope that little boy turns out to be another assassin. It's just Genesis. An eight-year-old assassin. <laughs> or Genesis, yeah. Jesse's going to try to use the word. He's like, I'm riding a He's horse. He's busy. <laughs> oh, wait, this isn't our space? <laughs> He's like riding it. Kennedy! <laughs> Kennedy! <laughs> Another quarter. <laughs> Interior, Gully's drug, day. At first, the store seems empty. In fact, everyone has already hit the ground. In addition to Jesse, Arseface, and Lori, there are several terrified townsfolk, all trying to hide. An old woman cowers by the ice machine, whispering a prayer. Louder! The old woman stops, terrified. I said pray louder! How's the good Lord supposed to hear you? Trembling, she tries to find her voice. Our Father, Lord in heaven! Wrong! He ain't up there anymore, but shh, it's a secret! Crouched near the greeting cards, Jesse is listening, trying to figure out his next move. He readies the Saint of Killer's gun. Behind the counter, Lori quietly slides a hunting rifle from its hiding place. Ars face commando crawls toward her, gestures for her to give it to him. Back to Bear. Me? I don't got a gun, but I have a saint. 
And he is, wait, no, uh, I got that wrong. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. Me? I don't have a guy, but I have a saint, and he's looking for a preacher. You seen the preacher, Grandma? She shakes her head. Bear shakes his head. Then he nods his head, confusing her. I'm just fucking with you. He suddenly shoots her in the leg. <laughs> she screams. <laughs> Twice! <laughs> Jesse gives the voice a try. Drop your gun! But it's just his normal voice. Why did you put it in all in caps? So you would make but, the noise. Right, redo it again, do it again. Without gives the, the voice a try. Drop your gun! <laughs> but it's just his normal voice. Fuck you! He blasts at the greeting card display. Jesse rolls to new cover. Arse face stands up from behind the counter, aims and fires. He hits Bear square in the chest, knocking him back into a rack of postcards. But he stands right back up, blasting. We quickly see why. He has body armor in addition to his bulk. Arseface and Lori duck behind the ice cream cooler. The giant containers do a good job catching bullets. Jesse stands, pulls the trigger. Click. Nothing. He dives back down before Bear shoots. Interior, gas station. Maybe it is Genesis on the horse. It might be. I don't know. I'm just gonna ride on this horse. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you in trouble? Quarter. Tulip pulls a chain, bringing the garage door down. Cassidy climbs out once the daylight's gone. Christ, I hate fanatics. We once, <clears throat> once met a guy who was 100% certain he'd found God, but they locked him up for fucking spastics in their eye sockets. Remember, he wore a big top hat. And your eye at the end of his dick? Hey! Finished with the door, Tulip checks her clip. How many are out there? A dozen. More? We have seven bullets. Let's make them count. Exterior, roof of the bank, day. The bookish psychopath sets up a sniper's tripod. Exterior, Main Street, day. Lesser seen assassins from the desert have made it out as well. Motorcycle gangbangers, pyros, and various death cultists. Exterior, beauty shop, day. The clown scrapes a butcher's knife along the window, enjoying the panic he's causing. Interior, beauty shop, day. A housewife pulls a small revolver from her purse. Y'all, this is Texas. The clown taps disapprovingly with the knife. With a sudden burst of confidence, the woman stands and aims. The clown quickly draws a gun from his sleeve and fires, blowing out the window as he puts three bullets in her. Exterior, gas station garage, day. Tula peeks out a side door, only to be met with a hail of bullets from the twins. Exterior, Main Street, day. From the bank roof, the bookish psychopath starts taking out random pedestrians. Pyros strike flares, tossing them through windows. Others kick on flamethrowers. The, the clown shoots until he's out of bullets. There's one patron left, hunkered by the back door. Lucky! He then throws his knife at her. Interior, Gully's drug, day. Arseface tries to get another shot, 
but Bear blasts back before he can aim. Preacher, I can wait. These other folks, tick, tick, tick. He grabs a young man who screams. What do you think the chances are this guy's going to die? I'm voicing him, so 98. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you talking about Bear or the young man? Or the clown. Oh, yeah, likely. Very likely. I mean... I don't know. I think Bear might be the character that lives through the whole script. <laughs> he I makes did it. it. He makes it to the end. He's sitting next to Cassidy. They're buddies. They're drinking like a fifth in the back of the car as they drive into the next season. And then he gets <gasps> dusted. Ultimate crossover. <laughs> 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 but it's a it's his lighter. Chink. <laughs> the infinity lighter. That's awesome. Jesse concentrates on the gun in his hand, trying to will it to work. Reveal the cowboy is hunkered down beside him. You can't think it, Jesse. It is or it isn't. Got till five, four, three. Ready to die, Jesse stands, aims, and fires. The bullet, a glint of gleaming light, blasts Bear back with the impact of a cannon straight through the wall. All the body and the armor in the world won't save him. Exterior, gas station, day. The side door opens again, but this time, it's a draped figure that emerges. The heavy blanket draped over it like a grade school ghost costume. The twins empty at least 20 rounds into it, aiming for the head. Then each twin drops, felled by a gunshot. The bullets came from Tulip, who is crouched at the bottom of the door. She really is a great shot. Reveal that Cassidy wasn't even under the blanket. He was holding a coat rack, like they have at gas stations. Exterior, Main Street, day. State troopers begin arriving en masse, barricading both ends of the street. Up on the bank roof, the bookish psychopath turns his attention to the cops, who fire back. The pyros start lobbing grenades. Three police vehicles blast up in flames. From here on, there is no let-up in the constant barrage of bullets and blasts. It's the end of a fireworks extravaganza, with everything going off at once. Interior, Gully's Drug, Day. Jesse peeks out, checking the action on the street. He can spot Tulip's truck, but there are lots of bullets flying around it. Like flies, just... (laughs) Suddenly, DeBlanc is standing behind him. It's a beat before Jesse recognizes him. Disbelief. You have to run. The Saint of Killers will answer that shot and he will kill you. I'm just supposed to leave these people here? Arseface and Lori get up from behind the counter. They can't see DeBlanc, so it appears that Jesse is talking to himself. You are essential. These people are not. Jesse spots the little boy who was riding the horse, crouched down beside the machine. Get inside, now! He watches until the boy is safely inside. Turning on LeBlanc. DeBlanc, not LeBlanc. Not Matt LeBlanc. (laughs) Joey. (laughs) Turning on DeBlanc, Jesse tries to push him against the wall. His hand goes right through him. A swirl of tiny lights. What the hell are you? An angel. I speak for the High Council of Heaven. Bullshit. Jesse heads out to find Tulip. Exterior, Gully's Drug slash Main Street, day. With each shot, Jesse takes down another killer. 
The gun is strong enough to blast through barriers and cover. He's enough of a target to draw every killer's aim. Tulip! Tulip! DeBlanc moves with him, an unseen and unwelcome sidekick. Jesse can't escape him. He's everywhere without even moving. You were chosen for a holy purpose, Jesse Custer. To lead the armies of heaven. But to do that, you must survive. I... why? I mean, you die, you go to you heaven, go to heaven you right? lead the armies. Yeah. He might explain it. This guy's logic is not tracking with me. Maybe because God's not there? I think this guy's a liar. Are we kind of afraid this might be falling apart in the fourth act here? I don't think we, we've no, been through three quarters. Of I, it's, I don't know. It's so it's like it feels like a, a little bit like Fury Road to me right now. Right. I'm like, feeling maybe he doesn't know exactly what to do with the big action piece. Everything's been kind of smaller pieces, with the exception of like the motel. But there wasn't a lot of story going on with that. Like I feel like maybe he's having trouble like pushing in story. I don't know. Amidst this big fight scene, right? Uh, we'll see. Maybe. I don't know. DeBlanc, DeBlanc might just be the glue because he's been in all a lot of the important scenes. Blanc, like, blanc, blanc. Yeah. Mm. So he might, I don't know, he might bring it together. I'll we'll take we'll it. see. Right. Jesse dives for cover as a shotgun toting bikers come after him. As shotgun toting bikers come after him. The blasts pass right through to Blanc, barely causing a ripple. Jesse fires back, felling two bikers with one shot. You must become what you will be. Right. It's my destiny. Destiny is what heaven decides for you. This is what heaven decided. Jesse blasts a pyro, whose fuel tank explodes. The flaming man staggers toward, forward a few steps before falling. Various shots. Tulip and Cassidy make their way through a boarded-up store. Bullets rip through the plywood, shafts of smoky sunlight. Lori shields the young boy while Arseface stands guard with the rifle. Townspeople bunker down, trying to find cover. The pot-bellied farmer hides between two parked cars. A deputy falls, taken down by the rooftop sniper. Flaming cars roll down the street. Back on Jesse, suddenly it all clicks. He understands it on his own terms. When I was a boy, you asked me if I knew what morality was. It's right and wrong. It's a choice. No one can decide for you. Sorry, go ahead. So I chose no. I ain't your saber. I ain't your sheriff. You would see heaven destroyed? No. But I'm putting Texas first. God has a problem with that. He can find me. Woohoo! Roll Tide. <laughs> slash, slash Texas. He... He walks away. As we go wider, DeBlanc is gone. Tulip! Tulip, where are you? Jesse! He finally spots Tulip, working her way south. Cassidy is with her, covered with the blanket. The bookish psychopath sniper rifle has them pinned down behind a parked van. Jesse steps out into the street. He can't really get a shot at the bookish psychopath, so he aims a little lower. The shot blasts off the top edge of the building, sending the sniper falling two stories to the sidewalk below. At the north end of the street, state troopers and SWAT teams prepare to move in. 
Few noticed the sudden wind and swirl of dust behind them. Few noticed the first snowflakes falling or the frost etching on the windows. Few see the arrival of the Saint of Killers. He has a single gun, but it will be enough. Tulip and Cassidy make their way to the pickup. Out of nowhere, the, sudden, the clown suddenly rushes at them with the butcher knife. Cassidy throws himself in front of Tulip, taking the knife in the gut. He headbutts the clown, tackling him. As they wrestle, the blanket comes off and Cassidy starts to smolder. Tulip gets a clean shot on the clown, her last. She's out of bullets. Cassidy rolls under a car for shade, snuffing his flames. The only gunshots being fired are at the north end of the street, where the troopers are futilely trying to take down the invulnerable saint of killers. He simply keeps walking, methodically killing each man in his way. Jesse meets up with Tulip near the pickup. You hurt? I'm fine. Get the truck. Jesse. I gotta finish this. He starts walking north. Cassidy is still under the car, hiding from the sun. The blanket he was using for cover is out of reach, and a bit singed to boot. Arseface leans under the car. Crudity! Get me something to cover up with. At the north end, silence. There's only one man left standing. The Saint of Killers. He walks through the rubble of burning cars. The sky darkens. The snow begins to fall in earnest. Jesse walks in the center of the road. It's setting up to be a classic showdown. Both men keep their pistols down as they approach, stopping with about 30 feet between them. It's oddly quiet, just the lap of flames and distant sirens. Flags still blow in the snowy, smoky wind. I'll take that gun back, preacher. You'll try. A series of shots extend to the moment. Snowflakes fall. Eyes focus. <whistles> Lips wet. Elbows bend. Boots scrape. Fingers twitch. The Saint of Killers aims and fires. Jesse does the same. The bullets meet in midair, exploding into cinders and sparks. Both men fire repeatedly. Each time the bullets collide. It's like shooting at a mirror. The saint gives a faint grimace of frustration. Jesse almost smiles. Suddenly, another shot rings out. This scene was clearly directed by the Wachowskis. <laughs> the music is perfect for that. <laughs> it dropped at the perfect time. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, another shot rings out. A bullet grazes Jesse's shoulder. It's one of the tattooed twins. Less dead than expected. Jesse takes him down with one fiery shot. But it's enough of an opening for the saint. He blasts the gun out of Jesse's hand. It falls on a snow-dusted street. Knowing he's dead without the gun, Jesse risks a dive for it. The saint blasts it further away. Tulip instinctively heads for Jesse. He waves her off. The saint approaches, standing over Jesse. You think you're the only one that's ever suffered? That you're different, unique. You ain't shit. Jesse looks up at him, eyes glowing red. You're just a man. 
The saint of killers puts the gun to Jesse's head, pulls the trigger. Click. There's no bullet. Jesse's words have stripped the saint of his supernatural aspect. He is now simply a weathered gunfighter we met at the start of the story. In every way, mortal. The snow stops falling. Jesse stands, clocks him. The saint drops his gun and punches back. He's still a tough son of a bitch, able to trade blows. What started as a gunfight ends as a fistfight in the snow. Bloody noses and bloody knuckles. Tulip watches. So does Cassidy from his perch under the truck. He's impressed. Finally, Jesse knocks the saint to the ground. The mighty killer can only rise up to his knees. Without his trademark hat, long strands of dirty hair fall in front of his eyes. Flash cut to interior, cabin, day. The saint stands at the door to his homestead, watching crows pick at the bones of his wife and daughter. Back to exterior, salva salvation, day. Experiencing the moment, the saint lets out a gasp, a pained cry that rattles in his chest. It's his last breath. His eyes go pale, his fingers clench. He collapses to the side. As he hits the road, his body crumbles inside his clothes, leaving nothing but dust. <gasps> the ultimate crossover! <laughs> Preacher Endgame. Wider, we survey the wreckage. The burning buildings, the demolished cars, the fallen killers. Jesse takes both guns. All eyes are on him as he walks back down the street. There are more survivors than you'd think. Townspeople smart enough to keep low. The young boy watches Jesse with an unusually reserved... With an awe unusually reserved for football champions. Jesse kisses Tulip. They don't rush it. Swaddled with a Texas flag for cover, Cassidy can only watch. Arseface misreads his reaction. We did it! We saved the princess! Yeah, good job, Arseface. Good job, motherfucker. <laughs> that was good. Cassidy laughs, calls out to Lori. Keep your eye on this one. He'll break your heart with that smile. Arseface blushes and kind of smiles. Tulip tries to check Jesse's shoulder, but he waves her off. It's fine. Let's ride. Cut two. Interior, truck, day. Jesse starts the engine. Tulip scoots over to make room for Cassidy as he climbs in the passenger side. She's literally stuck between them. Jesse, Cassidy. Cassidy, Jesse. We kinda met. You were naked. That's right. Thanks for taking care of my girl. Fucking obliged. A beat. Yeah. He puts it in reverse. They head south, weaving past the wreckage of police vehicles. Jesse takes one last look at the destroyed town of Salvation. As the pickup drives off, the sun breaks through the clouds, a shaft of light like a Dutch master painting. Transition to exterior Mexican beach town, night. Now normally, this is where I would stop for this episode. Sure. We're at an hour, but... Guys, we have, like, fucking 
but four pages left. We, we yeah, got, we got this. Five pages left. Yeah, we may as well just push through. As long as you put on some Mexican beach music, man, I got you. <laughs> yeah, pull out the. Yeah, I bet you got that queued up, don't you? Yeah, something, right? Of give, course I do. Give me something tropical. <laughs> we uh, just, we just fought the devil. <laughs> oh. Ooh. I can. Uh, uh, mm. you, uh, you got a coconut? You got you? You want a pina colada? Mm. I feel like I'm defying God's every word right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ten margaritas in. If you're still standing, you are. <laughs> Four guitars begin, begin the dramatic introduction to the old Spanish trail, part of a small band performing for the village. It's Saturday night. And the boardwalk is crowded with families. Mothers and children. Uncles missing fingers. What? Whoa. Uncles missing fingers. I thought it said kissing at first, so mine was even worse. Grandmothers dancing with their sisters' husbands. What the fuck? Guys, have I had a misread on Mexico this whole time? <laughs> this is hell. We're in hell now. Grandmothers dancing with their sisters' husbands. Pennants flap in the ocean breeze. Fluorescent lights buzz. Beer is plentiful. Not health. Moving through yeah, the crowd, no, no, no. we spot the only blonde, Tulip. She's dancing with Jesse in a newly bought dress. For the first time in a long time, she's fully and unabashedly happy. Cassidy cuts his way through the crowd. Tulip pulls him in dance with them. Neither Jesse nor Cassidy is particularly delighted with his idea. Found us some lodging. Exterior, beach, night. The moon hangs over the deep blue water. This is better. A light wind stirs the tree. It's the perfect night. A postcard comes to life. Jesse, Cassidy, and Tulip walk with Hector, a man in his 50s with a gentle face and a bit of a paunch. He's immediately likable. A Mexican Santa Claus. Based on his English, he's likely spent quite a few years in the States that Jeff will ignore. <laughs> See? <laughs> so, Hector, how long you been down here? See? <laughs> <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> This Mar is this go, Mario? Go, go. <laughs> oh, is it me? Yeah, yeah. You're Hector. Oh, man. Mexican Santa Claus. I bet he's going to die in three pages. <laughs> you just signed this man's death warrant. <laughs> many years, so many I forget. <laughs> I so knew it was going to be Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. You lack it? Oh, every day I wake up, I see the ocean. I hear children play. Before I was so busy, I never enjoyed these things. I would see others doing it and think, one day, one day I'll be able to leave all this and be happy. I'm happy now. He points to a bungalow <laughs> that backs up to the water. This is the casa. It's perfect. And you said it's got drapes, right? Heavy ones? Because I might need to sleep in with Cause I might need to sleep in what with these two rutting up all night. You can sleep in a hammock. You can sleep in a cave. Hector hands Cassidy keys. You'll stay here tonight. 
If you like it, you pay me tomorrow. Stay as long as you want. Gracias, Hector. She squeezes his hand. He's charmed. Buenas noches, senorita. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Why is he suddenly a southerner with bad Spanish? Buenas noches, senorita. Buenas noches, senorita. Cassidy and Tulip head for the house. Jesse calls after them. Yeah, I'll catch up. He stays behind with Hector. I hope this movie ends on a cliffhanger. With Hector dying. This is too, yes. Yeah. This is too, like. Wrapping it up. Too much of a denouement. Yeah. And there's so much left of the comic they have not even touched on. That's exciting. He stays behind with Hector. We trail Tulip and Cassidy for a few moments until they pass out of earshot. Don't I need to invite you in anyway? That's fucking mythology. Racist too. How is that racist? Fucking class system, slaves and servants around back. Yes, sir. No, sir. Back with Jesse and Hector. They stand watching the ocean, listening to the waves crash. Are they falling in love? Doesn't anyone ever come looking for you? No, it's a big world. And a pretty fucked up one. Isn't it selfish to just be hiding out in Mexico when there's so much you could do? Don't you owe the world more? Hector shrugs. Mm, I've done a lot. Let someone else have a shot. That one guy who really wanted a shot at you. The sin of killers? Yes. There's worse than him out there. You'll see. You could have stopped him. You Guys. could fix you could fix everything. Guys, Hector is God. Hector is God, yeah. <gasps> <laughs> Jeff is legitimately surprised. God, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a like a Mexican B&B guy. Like, God is a racist. He's not racist. Here, I'm going to pick up on my line. You could have stopped him. You could fix everything. Then how would the world grow up? It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's direction. You don't read That's that. That's direction. Keep going. I'm God. I do what I want. Right? <laughs> I took that liberty. Hit me with a shrug. Keep going. A shrug. Right. There is a plan, Jesse Custer. You're part of it. But who's to say who's the best for everyone, right? Fuck communism. Jesse smiles despite himself. Hector heads back across the sand to the distant lights of the town. Jesse looks down, noticing Hector's footprints. The sand fills in by itself, smoothing over every step. Hector leaves no trace. He walks alone, confident. He is, after all, God. Amen. The End So, guys. Pretty awesome. I did not think that this was going to be a four-episode script, but I guess I should have seen that coming when we burned through it without making fun of anything because it was awesome start to finish. This yeah. is an audio book version of your <laughs> podcast. This has been a full was. cast rendition right. of <laughs> Preacher. I don't know that full cast is going to be accurate here. I feel like we had a pretty good Vietnamese lady. <gasps> my God was perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad we gave you Hector. Dude, the one character that didn't die is the one who can't. <laughs> he 
You should maybe read the comics. Oh, oh shit, you done fucked up. When I come back for the second script of the podcast, but no, I died again. I died again. I really wanted to see like hair stars show up right at the very end, mm. or, or I mean, I guess that would be the only viable cliffhanger. It was good, not perfect. No, sure, sure, yeah. Uh, a lot of it felt truncated. I, I didn't particularly like uh, Jesse and Cassidy not really meeting until the very end. That's one of my favorite over. parts of the show is Cassidy kind of just being around and in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse and Cassidy are straight up best friends. A lot of them felt separated, though. Like throughout it, it really seemed like the direction had this little mini story happening here and then this story here but it was in the same scene but they never really felt like they were kind of joined together like in the last shootout it kind of yeah. seemed like yeah tulip everybody's and the gang in the same room fun. almost you got you got right. our face over here you've got Lori, who they introduced for almost no reason yeah right so, other to, than to just hide to the have counter. her right. yeah but it felt like it was just something going on and nothing was centralized because everything felt important because it got screen time yeah so that was my only thing was kind of the dissociativeness of everybody's plot not kind of feeling like their own little mission yeah you know what they needed was spider-man to carry the gauntlet through the whole scene <gasps> in in auto kill mode yeah well He's you know like, you know in in end game you had the same thing you had this huge battle with hundreds of people and all this disparate stuff going on but they managed to have the one thing which was the, trying to get the gauntlet over to the van that was the through yeah. It, it was the, the thread that connected everything. Yeah. That's right. This could have used that thread. Yeah. Whatever it was. Them uh, stopping to see what was going one on. One second, one second. Spoiler for anything? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it, it, Spider-Man's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. Believe it or not, they didn't kill off an $800 million character. Yes. <laughs> well, it's been out for two weeks as we record this. Yeah. And, and it'll be a while it hosts, before this. Yeah. It'll have been out for six weeks. Yeah, if you're mad about it at that point, fuck you. But so yeah. are, you by the time you're hearing this, you've yeah, already... Yeah, no. If you haven't seen it already, come on, man. Like, Why are you listening to this yeah, podcast? Yeah, seriously. Like, when's this? Like, end of May, beginning of June, this will come out? Something like that. So, like, you're literally a month away from far from home. <laughs> yeah. Don't be mad at yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You're closer than we are. I had a, I have a gripe. I, I didn't care about these the preacher and this tulip and this Cassidy the way that I do in the show. Like, they didn't give you time to care about them. Like, mm -mm. it was exciting. Cool shit right. happened. I was in it. But, like, the characters, when tulip died, I didn't fucking care. It like, just it, none of well, them seem to be friends. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I think a lot of that comes into how it's directed. Sure. So you know, you get some people acting some shit up, mm. and, and then they have chemistry and yeah, like, and, yeah. and some score There's in there. Beats, yeah, and it's some, yeah. some good directing. You would really care about these people. Unfortunately, this movie was going to be directed by DJ Caruso. Who is not a good director? No. He directed I Am Number Four. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. That so, stopped the book series. Well, she didn't even write another book after the movie came out. Was shitty. She gave up. Wow. That's a real thing. Did you read the books? No. But oh. I, I like. I kind of like the movie. And then when I read up on it, they're like, "Oh, she's writing another book." 
And then the movie did so shitty that she's like, ah, I fucking hate this boy. <laughs> Didn't even finish it. I give up. It's like uh, Divergent, which they, was which was filmed right know. right over here. Um, but they, they did, I think, three movies. And the last book was split into two movies because Harry Potter started that trend and now everybody's following. And they just never made the second part oh. of the last book. Oh, you guys want to know how I know this movie was or this script was good? We're like desperately seeking a hit. Yeah, that's we true. We brought up I Am Number Four and Divergent <laughs> series where we're, just so we we're can like digging, shit we're on digging, trying to find some. Okay, I, I'll tell you the thing that I loved. I loved all these fucking crazy killers. Like, I love they had this wacky killer party, and if you hadn't killed somebody, walk over the line, you die. Yeah. Like, is that in the comic book? No, that's all new. That's that was yeah, rad. That's like, that's the really great thing about this is. While he did a good job at, at keeping a lot of things really true, he also understood the source material well enough that he could pick it up and carry it into new places mm. and have it still be true mm. to this world. I see. I, I didn't, um, I, in the scope of the story, I kind of didn't like the... Uh, the JC and Jody stuff as much as like it was packed with like the Santa killers and bear and the, the cultists. I was kind of more interested in that and they kind of could have placed maybe bear doing the killing and at the farmhouse and stuff like that. They could have maybe just put well, that see, all in. Bears new and TC and Jody PC. are yeah. from the comics. Those and are important characters, I guess from the comic. Yeah. Books, yeah. yeah. They're, they're real important. They were kind of like and Bulk and Skull in this movie. I don't know bow, if the intention bow. was to have this be the first of a series um, or of a trilogy or something. Um, the scope was vastly limited compared to the comics, for sure, and even compared to the show, which the comics are basically a never-ending road trip. That goes okay. all over. Mm. It goes to France. It goes to New York. It goes to San Francisco. It goes to Texas, obviously. You sure they went to France and not Paris, Texas? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was France. It was France. Athens, Georgia. <laughs> all over this world. It's got a, a giant secret organization dedicated to maintaining the bloodline of Christ through generations and generations of inbreeding so that the uh, the last scion of Christ is so inbred that he just shits on himself and says nothing but my eyebrows are raised you broke Jeff <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like processing it all like, cause this script was very like villain heavy and I dig that for a western like yeah, they, he has his group of friends, and that's cool. But everybody's out to get him. So you had, you know, JC and, and Jody, uh, the Saint of Killers, uh, Black Bear, Grandma, the Cult of Killers. And then earlier you had the Sheriff at the motel. Yeah, everybody's the, the strip club owner. Up. Like yeah. everybody sucks. It's not our group, and I, I like that, like being divided kind of thing. But it was just really heavy for a script. Well, I think the point is here that we can nitpick this. But at the end of the day, we're nitpicking it. Exactly. Yeah, I would walk out of this movie smiling. Right. I would. Yeah. yeah. I would be like, wow, that was an awesome evening. Like, high fives all around. Like, like when we saw Shazam. 
Exactly. Yeah. No. It's just. Yeah. It'd be. It'd be. Yeah. <laughs> no, Shazam was infinitely better from than what I've been listening to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been listening to the news a lot, or? Yeah. Yeah. Fox is all over this. <laughs> they're they're so into Shazam lore. It's insane. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, we are going to be uh, without Kelly for the next script also, but that means that we can do a script that I've wanted to do for a really, really long time. I'm just going to tease it now because you guys will be here next week to read it with me, right? We're going to finally, finally read Nick Cave's sequel to Gladiator, which, from what I understand, involves Maximus time traveling. I'm making a thumbs down. This is a. This is like. It, I, I feel like this is a Necronomicon situation. Like no one's ever read the script out loud, <laughs> so we could actually like birth something into. Like, Are you not entertained? <laughs> that would be really great. Just Russell Crowe shows up right in the studio. He here. hits us all in the face with a rotary phone. <laughs> Doc Brown's like Maxi. <laughs> we gotta go. We must do something about your kids. This Notre Dame situation is terrible. He's like, what are they, turn into assholes? I'm like, no, didn't you see the movie? They can eat my crows! <laughs> <laughs> he just goes back. <laughs> and then he shoots back to the future just to flip Joaquin Phoenix off. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're out. This podcast was created by Sean McBee. For more, visit TableReadsPodcast.com. Cut to black. Black.